Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book study. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 17th day of April 2015. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, Into Action. We are on page 73, and we will be reading the first, starting with the first paragraph. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, A.N.G., 12 Traditions, Pat N., text readers, Sarah W., Santa H., and Carol C. And the share code for yesterday, Thursday, the 16th day of April, is 7481. 7481. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, always fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Angie to please read the 12 steps for us. Good morning, everyone. This is Angie, a compulsive overeater from Colorado. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood God. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood God, praying only for knowledge of God's will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Angie. I will now ask Pat N. to read the Twelve Traditions, please. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Pat N., and I'm a compulsive overeater from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. The 12 Traditions. 
One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for the opportunity to do service, and I pass. Thank you, Pat N. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature that we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are in the chapter Into Action. We are on page 73 and we will be reading the first paragraph more than most people. And I will ask Sarah W. if she will begin reading for us, please. Thank you, Monica, for your service. Good morning. My name is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. More than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He's very much the actor. To the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. So um, I'm very grateful to be on the line today. Um, you know, we're into action. We've just done our four-step inventory. Um, we've we've started to really see some patterns in ourselves. And I find it interesting the way Bill utilizes the word actor in many areas of the book. Um, we're just coming off of the fourth step, but if you look at on page 61, um, he's talking a lot about being the actor. And when I think of being an actor, I think of being a pretender. 
you know, I'm pretending to be something that I'm not because I'm not comfortable with what I am. I don't even know what I am. So for me, you know, I compartmentalize. Like I could be one person with, you know, one way with one person and another way with another person depending on what I wanted to get out of it or what I wanted to give to it to be able to obtain something from it. So for me, um, it was hard to keep it all straight. (laughs) And the other part of it was that I never really formed any healthy, normal relationships with people uh, because, you know, I wasn't accepting them for who they were without an expectation of what they should be. And I couldn't be who I was because I never felt enough. And my idea goes back to the thought that, you know, I was an egomaniac. I had all these, you know, pride and 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 self-justification and, and demands. And at the same time, I was a very insecure human being. So, you know, it wasn't a very pleasant place to be. And the good news today is that with doing the inventory process, which is a four through nine process, uh, we do come through that and start to realize our patterns and are able to connect with a higher power. And that that's the other thing I just wanted to say briefly is that the third step, the second step and the third step start to give me the opportunity to really connect with that power greater than myself so that I can walk through these things and not have the shame and the... Uh, you know, severity of the discomfort of wanting to run from because I'm, I've joined, I've started the joining process with my higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah W. And who would like to share on this paragraph? Marcella M. Okay, hold on a second. I think I heard Marcella and then was yep. one other person? Sally. Sally. Okay, Marcella, Sally, anybody else? All right, let's start with that. Marcella M., I think it was. You're up, and then Marcella, Sarah. yeah, thank you. Um, good morning, everybody. My name is Marcella M. I'm happily recovered from compulsive overeating in Boston. Oh, such a joy. I made it. I made it through, through speaking. Um, so the actor that leads the double life, what a relief to just have one life and not eat and overeat in secrecy, hiding and and pretending that I eat like a normal person when I'm in front of people, and then eat with total abandon and, and just like disgusting indulgence when I'm by myself. Um, I know that I have an allergy. I know that I will die with it, and um, and I know that that's okay, and... So I don't pretend that I don't have an allergy because that's not the truth. I do have an allergy. And if somebody cares to know, I tell them, um, oh, thank you, I don't need this because I'm allergic to it. And that's the honest truth. And so if I need to carry my food, I carry my food. And and if I if there's something that is safe for me, then I eat it. But I don't live, I don't live an, a double life. I know who I am and I know what... Um, foods are safe for me, and I know what food, what kind of foods are poisonous to me. So I recognize poison as poison and safe foods as safe foods, and, and I behave accordingly in front of everybody. While I'm in company, 
um, while I'm by myself, um, and in weekends and in vacation time, and at night and in the morning. And it's just, so just that kind of whole and frankly holy life has led to an unbelievable amount of freedom and, and a sense of integrity. I know who I am. You know how people say that you are what you eat? I think I believe that. I am what I eat. I have a very, very highly specific list of foods that are safe for me, and I I just stay there. That's my safe zone, and that's where I stay. And the result is that I live happy, joyous, and free in constant dialogue with the master engineer that designed my body. And for that, I will forever be grateful. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marcella. Sally, you're up. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, a vision for you. It's Sally A. in South Jersey, a recovered compulsive overeater. So it says here, more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He is very much the actor. And I have to say, ditto, it's so lovely to have one life that I'm living right now. Um, In my past life, um, which was many, many, many years uh, in the food and out of the food, in the program and out of the program, mostly in the program, but even in the program, I lived a double life. If I was ever the chameleon, I was ever the people pleaser. I was ever trying to fit in with you, whoever you are. And consequently, I would often nonchalantly pick up as I would go to these different functions and try to act like, oh, I'm like you. I'm a normal eater when I knew I was not a normal eater, that I was a food addict and I needed to have strong boundaries around my food. And today, what's interesting is, um, again, more than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. I'm not willing to live this double life anymore. I, I, um, I'm heading to New York this weekend and um, I've been invited there to sing for um, a, a large function. And when I told my kids that I was coming to New York and I wanted to squeak in a visit with my children, um, my kids, my two daughters, told me, Mom, that's fine, but we don't want you to bring your phone in the house. You're not allowed to talk on the phone while you're visiting us. I was shocked. And I, I ultimately, after days of praying about it and, and days of talking about it, I decided that I was not going to visit my kids, and it's my first journey to New York that I'm not going to visit my children because I'm going to have, I'm going to be me. I'm going to have a boundary around me, and me needs to talk on the phone, especially when I'm with my kids because my kids are some of the toughest places I go, and I have to keep the food down. And it's not because I'm not neutral around the food. It's because I have to always be mindful of who I am and that I do have an eating disorder. I have come to say those words, and they're very comfortable words for me because I don't live a double life. I have an eating disorder, and it's who I am. And there are certain boundaries I have to place around my food, and there are certain things I need to do to maintain a healthy perspective. And so when I read these words, more than most people, yes, the alcoholic, leads a double life. He is very much the actor. Not anymore. I am me. And me, I'm going to be wherever I go. Thanks for letting me share. With that, I passed. Thank you, Sally A. And who else would like to share on this paragraph? 
This is Bella. Can I share? Rachel, okay. I've heard Raquel, Larry, Bella. Okay. Who else? Carol G. Reva P. Reva P. Rakesit. Yeah, I think I had you first. Yeah, you had Raquel. I wasn't sure. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Same thing. Yeah, no problem. I'm trying to write really fast here. <laughs> no okay. problem at all. Okay, Rakesit. All right, I've got Rakesit, Larry, Bella, Carol. G and Reva P. Let's start with that. Okay. Rokafet, you're up. Thank you, Monica. My name is Rokafet. I am a recover compulsive overeater from California, in California. Anyway, double life. You know, I my life was a double life, but that was that was my life. Just like it says in the big book we read earlier in earlier chapters that I can't differentiate the truth from the false. I didn't even know what my life was. I didn't even know it was a double life. It was just my life. My life consisted constantly of how am I going to get food without people seeing, how am I going to eat like a pig, like an animal, where can I do that at so that nobody will find me, nobody will watch me. And that, you know, um, constantly, constantly, those were my thoughts. I'd go to work, and I would constantly think about, okay, if I go to the vending machine too many times, people are going to start staring. They're going to hear that, you know, the vending machine before the thing drops down. Um, I, it was crazy. It was crazy. Constantly, my thoughts were, how can I pretend that I'm a normal eater? How can I make other people pretend other people think that I'm a normal eater. I knew for myself I'm not, I wasn't a normal eater. That I knew. But how can I make it so that other people think that I'm a normal eater? That I'm normal in every aspect of my life, but I'm not. Not only in overeating, but in every other aspect. I was pretending to be someone I wasn't. I had so many different pretensions going on. I pretended I was this way for one person. I was pretending I was that way for another person. Whatever you wanted me to be that would make me okay in your eyes, I would be. It was really hard work, really, really hard work. And um, it got me more and more miserable as time went on. I just got more and more confused. Okay, who am I supposed to be today? Who am I supposed to be with that friend? Who am I supposed to be with my boss? You know, I didn't know who I was. I was just a jumble of the nerves. No wonder I ate. And I just couldn't take it. I could not tell the truth from the false. I mean, that was just my life. That's how I lived it every single day. Just um, not knowing, no having no peace, having no serenity. And that's what this program has brought me with recovery, a sense of peace. I don't have to pretend. I know I'm one person most of the time. <laughs> and um, I know the person I want to grow into. So there's no more guessing anymore. There's no more... Um, that turmoil, constant turmoil inside of me. What is going on? I just know who I am today, and the food is in its place. It's calm. It's peaceful. And that makes me calm and peaceful and helps me continue to feel that way in other aspects of my life. Thank you for letting me share that pass. Thank you, Rick Effett. Larry Kay, you're up, and then it'll be Bella. Monica, thanks so much for your service. Larry Kay, recovered uh, compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, you know, the, one of the things about uh, coming into this this program that I understand better today that I didn't understand before is just how incongruent 
you know, my life was. And, um, you know, to be incongruent, you know, the, the way one could describe that is where your, your walk and your talk don't match up. You know, they're, they're not aligned. And as human beings, you know, they're, they're never going to be perfectly aligned. But, you know, uh, an alcoholic, uh, a compulsive overeater, an addict of one sort or another uh, leads a double life. You know, we are we are as sick as our secrets, and uh, we, we have many secrets. And sometimes, like some people have shared, we, we, we begin to, to think that that's normal, to live our life that way, incongruent. For example, you know, presenting one image to the world, you know, here was this, this guy, right, uh, that, I, I mean, he must have his, his, uh, his stuff together. I mean, he's uh, he's an educated guy, um, you know. So every so often, he's well spoken. Um, boy, he must have his stuff together. But see, I knew that I didn't, and, and we usually know that we don't, that we're incongruent. And the problem is, is that the more incongruent we are as human beings, the more uh, the more uh, you know opportunities there are for psychological disturbances uh that's what we have the the more opportunity for anxiety you know we have greater anxiety we have greater fears when we know we can't walk around uh being true and being honest and open with other people see today as a result of these steps which have brought me into alignment with my higher power not perfect alignment with my higher power i'm still a human being but absolutely significantly more in tune and in alignment and in congruence with my higher power as the result of these steps so that now I can look the world in the eye because I'm not a slave to my secrets and my shame and my remorse. That's what this program does for us. And that's where we, you know, when we talk about step four and then step five and moving through these action steps, we get to a place of change. God brings us to a place of change. And when we're changed in that way, what happens is is that now we can look the world in the eye. And now um, I don't have the secret. Sure, the food is down. Sure, the food is neutral. Well, that, that's, that's a big step. That's a huge thing. But believe me, that's just the beginning. You know the 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 rest of it. <clears throat> uh, how how am I? What am I doing for the next twenty three hours after I after I get done with this meeting? You know that's am I leading a congruent life? You know, and that's that's what I'm most grateful for with this program is that I can do that. And I'm how free do you want to be? Well, the answer is up to is up to us in, in taking these steps and moving through that. That I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Okay. Bella, you're up, and then it'll be Carol G. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. Wow, such a freedom to know where I was and where I am now. Thank you, God. Yes, before the program, I really didn't know who I am, and I was afraid to to know who I am. 
I knew one thing that I am not perfect. So it's better to hide this and it's better not to show to, to everybody, to the whole entire world that I am not perfect. So I wasn't me and I didn't think that I deserve to be me. So I was exactly the one that I acted exactly like how people wanted me to be. So to every person, to every group, I was different. So I knew that this is a people pleaser. I knew that I have to be the good girl, the quiet girl, the that one that doesn't say no and everything she accepts. And even when I was hurt, even when people were mean to me, most probably it's my fault. It's nothing to do with you. Most probably it's me. So I always was quiet because I didn't want to say, oh, you know, you are hurting me because my feelings are not right. So the only place, and this was the only place that I felt comfortable and secure, it was when I was alone by myself with my food. And now, thank you, God. Thank you, God. I like myself. I like the way I am. And the most important thing, I know that I am connected to an accepting power. Today, I feel free to, to, to say my feelings. And when somebody hurts me, I can tell him, you know, I am hurt. And when I do mistakes, I feel very much comfortable to say I am sorry and to change my way of thinking and behaving. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. Carol G., you're up, and then it'll be Reva P. Thank you. Good morning, Vision for you. It's Carol G. Carol, we just lost you. Star one. Carol, we can't hear you. Okay, let's move on to Reva P, and then we'll come back to Carol. Technical difficulties this morning. This is Reva P. Oh, wait a minute. Carol? Carol, go ahead. If we... Thank you. Um, morning, Vision View. It's Carol G, Compulsive Overeater Recovered for today. Um, thank you. Um, I like the way in which they're bringing us back to the actor again, just to remind me why I'm going to be sharing this, this step inventory, this five-step inventory, because... More than most people, not just like any old person, but more than most people an act an alcoholically double life. I'm very much an actor and I'm definitely an actress. And um I was thinking as we were listening to that reading that there's a reason why the actors are all on stage and it's so that the audience can have that distance, that perspective, so that we can sit in the audience and see the whole show and not just the main player, which is me. The whole play matters, and everybody in that play matters. It, everybody on that stage tells me um, about me and about the main character, whereas I was the main person in all plays, in everything in my life. And 
if I'm going to get free of the bondage to self, I have to realize that everything's going to have to go. Everything I've done in the past is just going to have to be pushed to one side. And it's amazing how I, as an actor, have excluded people. Um, I've excluded anybody who matters to me. Um, I've harmed others by overreacting. I've harmed others by um, being arrogant, whatever. But the way in which I've really harmed people is is by pushing them away. Anyone who wanted to give me any love, I pushed away or kept at arm's length. And it was because I was trapped. I was trapped in bondage to self. So I am very much an actor. And the reason why I was playing this this part that wasn't actually me was I was afraid. I was afraid that I wouldn't be accepted. I was afraid that I wouldn't be loved. And yet here are people trying to offer me some love, but I was afraid to take it on their terms. I wanted everything the way I wanted it. And why was I afraid? Well, because these defects are Carol, we've lost you. You're breaking up. Star one, to unmute. Try that again. You're breaking up, Carol. Carol, I'm going to move on because we're breaking up and we're not hearing you. And maybe we can try again. Reva P., would you come in, please? Yes, this is Reva P., Recovering Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. Um, Thank you, everybody, for sharing. Um, What this um, paragraph um, means to me is um, how in one of the stories at the back of the book, it talks about my internal and my external environment. And, you know, I was so busy pretending and efforting to be this and that and the other thing. Um, I don't think I really knew who I was before program. It was so blocked um, by what I thought I had to do or be um, or what I should say or shouldn't say. Um, and it took a lot of effort. Um, so I was so busy pretending. Um, I don't know. I just knew something was terribly wrong with me and with the food. And by working through the steps, especially four to nine, I was able to discover, you know, what were what was me? What was I angry about, resentful, fearful? Um, and there was so much shame attached to who I was. So here we are in, you know, coming to step five where we tell, I tell my inventory to somebody else. And that was the beginning of the process of revealing my secrets and being loved and accepted uh, first by people in the fellowship and then feeling it through my higher power as I continued to work the steps. And I began to discover who I was and who I wasn't. And the more I'm comfortable and at peace and can say, this is who I am. Um, It started with the food and then it developed into, you know, this is what I do in terms of character defects. And we just also finished the fear prayer. So I'm constantly asking my higher power, show me how to be. Who is the woman? Who is the worker? Who is the parent you want me to be? Because I still don't always know. Um, I seem to have a very quick mind that tells me what I should and shouldn't be. And I need to put that aside and ask my higher power. So we're also reading into action. And what actions do I take 
um, to be the person God wants me to be, not who I think I should be. I was just out of town at a conference, and I had to bring some of my foods with me because I know it's extremely difficult to find certain things when I'm out of town. And I took them with me, and I actually had to sit at a table with other people from the conference and my colleagues. And there is such freedom and ease. I used to be so ashamed, but by working through the steps and coming to be more comfortable inside myself, then I can be the same person whether I'm in a work environment, in my home, um, there are no more secrets. And yes, this is what I need to do. I need to take this food with me. And I was really scared before I had to go up and uh, give a talk. And I didn't know what God wanted me to be. So I had to ask, and I got to be the person God wants me to be. Um, and I don't know if I can explain it, but I'm the same person everywhere. I used to be one way here and one way there and one way in another environment, and it was just so effortful, exhausting, and superficial. Um, and now, you know, all I have to do is ask God, you show me, um, because situations keep changing, and it is such freedom. I definitely had to take a lot of action and, and prepare a lot of things when I was away, so I'm very grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Reva P. And would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Yes, this is Barbara from Pennsylvania. I'd like to comment, please. Okay. I I only heard out of all that, I heard Vasa and Barbara, and I know there were some people before you, too. Melissa C. Melissa. Rachel W. Rachel. Okay, let's go with that because we want to get another paragraph here unless we're just going to stay here. Who knows? All right. I've got Melissa C., Rachel W., Vasa, and Barbara. So, Melissa C., you're up. Great. Good morning. This is Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater from New York. And, um, you know, what came to my mind immediately um, was, you know, at work every day, I always ate in front of my colleagues the most wonderfully nutritious-looking lunches. And, um, you know, there was one coworker in particular who was always saying, my God, you eat so healthy. And, you know, what I really knew that she was saying was, how are you so large? Because, um, you know, it was, I was the great pretender, and it wasn't just in what I ate. Um, you know, obviously I ate like what I thought uh, a, an intelligent, <laughs> educated person should eat in front of other people, but what I ate um, – secretly was like an animal, ravenous and anything, um, and certainly nothing that was healthy and, and nutritious. Uh, that wasn't what I did by myself. And, you know, and, um, and it mirrored who I was because I was one person externally, depending on who was with me, and um, another person internally. And, you know, I... I grew up hearing um, be a lady and, um, you know, put on your happy face. And, um, you know, and what I heard that, how I interpreted that to be was don't be yourself, you know, be pleasing to other people. Don't be authentically you. Whether that's what my mother meant or not, I don't think she meant that. She just meant, you know, conduct yourself like a lady for whatever that meant. Um, but, uh, you know, my program has taught me to meld both sides of me 
that, um, you know, I can certainly be a lady, whatever that means, um, pleasing to other people, and yet be authentically true to myself. And, um, you know, I just love the rigorous honesty of um, my program that helps me actually, I get to know who I am today. Because, you know, I was so uncomfortable. Um, I, I was a people pleaser. Not because I was this wonderfully wonderful person who wanted to please you, but because I was uncomfortable if you weren't being pleased. If I thought there was something that you didn't like in me, I couldn't stand that. And so it really was my ego. And as I let go of my ego, you know, I'm becoming authentically me. Melissa, we just lost you. Star one? I thought I just passed, actually. Okay. That's what you want. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Melissa. All right. Rachel W., you're up, and then Vasa. Rachel, star one to unmute. Good morning. This is Rachel W. Can you hear me now? I sure can. Go oh, ahead. Super. I was just talking to myself. Okay, well, good morning. Uh, Monica, thank you so much for your service, and thank you, everyone on the line, um, all you brave souls here today. I'm so inspired. And um, just want to say, you know, this, this chapter is called Into Action, you know, not into feeling, not into the river, because that's where I need to throw my sponsor now since she knows way too much about me. But, you know, it's, it's my action. Like, what action am I going to take here? And, um, you know, for me, in, in order to survive my childhood, I had to live in stories. So it was very, very useful to me. Um, the problem is that, or the problem was that for, for you know, over the years, obviously, that, that, you know, that method of living did, no longer worked. And um, I, yesterday was, uh, a couple of days ago, I was at a, a seminar where um, someone brought up this uh, example of a butterfly. And, you know, I saw myself as that encased, you know, um, uh, you know, in case in that, that hard cocoon where I was sort of just the same, the same way, like living in a, in a world with that hard case around me. I mean, I had a, you know, a great life, you know, great husband, great kids, everything, but I myself, you know, was, was definitely in that hard case. And, and um, there's a, you know, when a butterfly emerges, you know, as that, that crystal starts, you know, coming out, there's a lot of effort involved. And, and, you know, any one of us seeing that someone go through that, we'd want to take it away. We're like, you know, can I just help you out of that? But you know what? That, the energy and the effort and emotion, all of that, um, when the butterfly is emerging from its cocoon, that, that energy is actually creating a strength. And if you and I were to help it out of that cocoon, it would not be able to fly. So that's how I look at this part of the steps is that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming out um, I've, you know, relinquished my cocoon. I, I understand that that um, I can I can let go of the stories. I don't have to live there anymore, and I I don't emerge perfectly. I emerge still needing to work on certain things, but living in a in a in an authenticity that I never ever thought I would have. Even if the reality means I need to look at, you know, ways that I'm not perfect. You know, it doesn't mean life gets perfect. It just means it gets real. And there's nothing better than that because now I can finally see myself and guess what if I can see myself better I can see everyone else around me better and then I can notice like a common thread of humanity just running through everyone that we, we're all basically dealing with the same stuff and I'm not above or below humanity I'm just me and I'm here and I'm I'm 
you know, trying to do this work and, and the, 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 and I know that the, um, the, the effort that I'm making to get out of that past life will give me the strength, you know, people who, who are a little fearful about this area, you know, giving it over, this is where you get your wings. You know, this is where I feel that you know, this is where I got my, my method of living was from this. And, and, and how, however much effort I put into this and however much trust I put into the process, that's the strength that, that uh, you know, that I can live with for today. So thank you so much, everyone. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Rachel W. Vasa O, you're up, and then it'll be Barbara. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. Thank you, Katha, for your service. Uh, Monica, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I am Vasa O, grateful, uh, recovered, compulsive overeater, calling from Florida into action. This is such a small paragraph, but there's just so much into it. I really didn't know who I was or what I was either myself, you know, uh, before coming to the program, I just knew there was something wrong. Of course I knew about the food addiction, but I really did not know my insecurities, my low self-esteem. And I try, you know, if they're talking about the actor. Well, I can identify with people. I was uh, the pretender, you know. I was not one of those people that get up on stage and perform in front of people, you know. That was very scary for me. And as a matter of fact, coming in the program, you know, I was much more comfortable with small groups, you know. I, you know, I've been in, in this program for many, many years, and I always pray to God that they don't ask me to speak in anniversaries with this lot, a lot of people. I did not like that attention on me. And, I mean, here on this meeting, there's hundreds and hundreds of people, you know. I don't know how I would feel being on a stage and speaking in front of all these people. But God has a way of using me and using us in a different ways. And the more I feel comfortable, I can be in my own room. I, can, I don't have to be all dressed up and makeup and all that. I can be me, you know. But anyways, uh, I've, I developed these um, patterns and these behaviors as a, as a child, you know. I was not very good in school, but I was going to be the best. Mother, I was going to be the best wife. I was going to be the best housekeeper. So I did not understand about the ego, you know. And you know, I I'm saying, what are these people talking about? Ego, 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 you know. And I had to go in the dictionary and really look up a lot of words, you know. And uh, I just did not understand myself and doing. Going, again, I knew I could not stop eating, you know. And I, travel, I tried to cover up all my insecurities with trying to be the best, you know. People would have never guessed that I had, you know, I was felt insecure. I was a um, people pleaser. I, you know, and, you know, I had a low self-esteem. My brother would say to me, Vasa, I would have never believed that you felt like that, you know because the way you look from the outside, but they didn't know my insides, you know. So, um, again, um, it's it's almost such a freedom. I can be the person that my higher power wants me to be, not the person I thought other, other people want me to be, or I wanted to be, you know. Um, 
you know, my higher power, which I call God today, has given me the strength, the power, the wisdom to have the honesty. Time. I'll just wrap it up. To accept myself and and just to let him reveal that, you know, let him reveal who I want to be and what I want to be through the steps, and I'll just wrap it up. And uh, again, aye, aye, aye. thank you very much. And I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. And Barbara, you're up. And I did not get the initial of your last name. Barbara? Star one to unmute. Thank you. Uh, my, my last initial, it's Barbara M. I'm a no. very grateful, uh, compulsive overeater, recovered this day with the grace of God. And I want to thank everyone for their sharing this morning. Um, this is my first time sharing with a vision for you. And I would like to say that I came into program over about 38 years ago, and I was um, the chameleon. I would be anything you wanted me to be. And I was lost in a food addiction. And it's been uh, a journey, first putting down the food, then working the steps. Uh, And that whole process has ultimately got me to know and I'm not I don't have enough time to share my story but I would like to tell you that I know who I am today I know who I am only because of my higher power my higher power has helped me to uh, give up some of the mast to be authentic to live in my truth to be still to listen, and I know I'm a child of this living, loving, gentle, higher power who's led me to the freedom from this addiction and leads me each day if I but do the footwork, if I but stop and listen, if I but are responsible and work the steps, if I learn good self-care, if I seek him in the moment, this loving higher power gives me the wisdom, the compassion to serve. And I am so grateful. I am so grateful because this addiction was the, my greatest weakness, and it has turned into be, with his grace, my greatest strength. And I plan to stay connected to you, my brothers and sisters on this road, and to my higher power, and to be a service this day. And I want to thank you all. I feel totally at home sharing with you this morning on a phone call. And I haven't met one of you yet, but we're fellow travelers on the journey together. And I am so, so grateful for you. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Barbara M. We are now going to move on to the next paragraph. And Santa H., would you read for us, please? Yes, good morning, visionaries. My name is Santa H. I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive eater from New Jersey. Thank you, God. The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. Coming to his senses, he revolts at the certain episodes he vaguely remembers. These memories are a nightmare. 
He trembled to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes the memories far inside himself. He hopes they never will see the light of day. He is under constant fear and tension. That makes for more drinking. Wow, so a lot in this paragraph. Um, but these two paragraphs here go hand in hand. And I fellows did a wonderful job in explaining the first paragraph. And this is where we get to the fifth step. And the writers are letting us know what will happen if we don't continue the process, if we don't do the 10th step as it is specifically laid out here in the big book. And that is sharing this with um, our God, ourselves, and with another human being, the exact nature of our wrong. So if we don't do that, um, it lets us know what happens when we become an actor. And when we become an actor, because when we're in the fourth, we're in the fourth step, um, we are restless, airborne, discontented, and we're wanting to um, look for that ease and comfort, but we must not. Because if we do, then it says here the inconsistencies are made worse by the things he does in his sprees, which means that we are going to have a relapse. It's not when, it's not if, but when. So they're warning us here. And like it says um, in the doctor's opinion, it says he cannot differentiate on the truth from the false. For them, an alcoholic seems like a normal one and become restless, airborne, discontent unless he experiences sense of ease and comfort again. And so that's what's happening here with this person is that he comes to the senses he revolts at certain times that he vaguely remembers, but the, but the memories of the, of the nightmares, we don't want to remember that. So then he trembles and, and we, we don't want to go forth, we don't want to share with um, our fellows or anyone as to what's going on. We want to push that memory in the back of our head, especially if we had a relapse. And I can definitely identify in on that. I know when I had my relapse and I was in my fourth step, I did not want my sponsor to know. And so I just quickly tried to push it aside, like it, like it was going to just go away and hope that we'd never see the light of day. But that did put me in constant fear and tension. And like it says on page 73, the actor, and this is with me, on the other hand, I, I did become mean and, mean and egotistical and selfish and dishonest. And at other times, I was... Um, generous, patient, modest, and self-sacrificing because, you know, I knew that I did wrong and I was trying to hide such things. But the book here is reminding us that to go forth, um, watch out for the inconsistencies because if they do occur, we will pick up where it last states here that makes for more drinking or eating in our case. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Santa H. And we're only going to have time for a couple of shares. So who would like to share? Alice Hi, it's Naomi. Could I share? I heard Alice M. and someone else. I didn't catch your Elizabeth name. I'm sorry. No, it was Elizabeth someone else. Naomi? Someone? I think it was Naomi. Okay. All right. Alice M., you're up, and then Naomi. Good morning. This is Alice M., recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic from Florida. And um, for me, the inconsistency was made worse by the things I did when I wasn't on a spree. You know, I, I didn't have that excuse of being inebriated and doing things that I regretted when I got sober. I I lived a life of um, lacking integrity, put it mildly, um, when I was stone cold physically sober, you know, and, and it wasn't just about the food for me. It was, um, you know, I mean, I was, I was 
it wasn't I didn't have to come to my senses and then be revolted by things I did during those episodes. I was revolted. I always knew that what I was doing was wrong. And I'm talking about, you know, um, binging, binging and puking and, and presenting myself as a thin, slender, really fit, health-conscious woman in public. Um, and I had a terrible problem with shoplifting, for which I'm making many amends for now. Um, I, was, I, I lied about everything. I cheated. I stole. You know, I was, a, I was an elementary school teacher, and I was um, smoking pot with one of my students' parents. I mean, I did. I just, I lived a life that was, you know, I was, <laughs> it was not a good life, you know, and food was a part of that, a huge part of it, and um, I sought my solace from all those feelings, you know, from living that way in food, but um, in the part where it says I trembled, you know, I trembled to think, he trembled to think someone might have observed him, oh my God, I, I you know, I, I trembled, I did tremble to think someone might, might have observed me doing any of these things, you know. Um, I lived, I lived in constant fear and paranoia, you know, that made for more, more binging and puking, more stealing, more lying, just so afraid that someone was going to find out how I was living my life. I knew, I knew that it was wrong, but I felt trapped. I felt trapped. I had no idea how to live a life of integrity. I was just on this train wreck. I didn't know how to do anything differently. Um, you know, and, and on the part where it says, as far as I could see, and I like to put this in, in where it says we, I just like to put it in the I form because it makes me own it, own it. So as far as I could see, you know, I tried to be okay with the life I was living, you know, and continuing it. And like I said, because I didn't know how to live a life of integrity. I had no idea. Um, and it was painful on a daily basis, walk into a classroom, teach children, you know, the D.A.R.E. program about how to resist drugs and violence and everything, and go home and smoke pot you know, and, and, and sit at the lunch table with my fellow teachers and talk about, you know, the wonderful things I was doing in my class and this, and, and you know, and, and go home and, and dive into my crack, which was the food, and, and go and shoplift things that I used for my classroom, and just, it was, everything was just a train wreck, and, and I'm so glad that I, I reached a point of um, surrendering, you know, it's, it's, that's my life before I surrendered to, you know, way to measured abstinence and, and committed myself to this AA way of life, which is, is a challenge. And I'm, I'm cleaning up the past. I'm cleaning it up because I don't want to live that way. Um, it felt Time. horrible. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you, Alice M. And Naomi, you're up. Oh, good. Hi. Hi, Monica. Thank you for your service. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Hello? Yes. Yes. Okay, yep, we got gotcha. you. Um, good morning. Good morning. My name is Naomi, a recovered compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. Well, oh, ditto to what everyone said. Um, he trembles to think if someone might have observed him. Well, you know, I was living the lie. On the outward appearance, I mean, I was. I took care of children here for a living, and I did a good job, and I loved them, and I taught them, but I was so comatose with the food. I would fall asleep in the afternoons. And what would the parents think? They're paying me to take care of their children. And here I'm saying, I had no control over my body whatsoever. And the fear and tension, oh boy, that was it. In fact, one time my sister-in-law walked in the back door while the children were sleeping. And she woke me up. And I was so embarrassed. Well, that was self-will running wild and my own self-ego and all this other self-stuff. But what a difference my life is today. And I'm no spring chicken. I'm like 67 years young. I'm up at 6 o'clock in the morning, get on vision, and I'm going to like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, maybe 10.30. 
because of this program. Because I am happy, joyous, and free, and I don't have these boulders of this compulsive eating pulling me down. And this program literally has saved my life, and I love vision. And for my visionary friends out there, I just love you. They're my family, not my friends. God bless you, and thank you for allowing me to share. Thank you, Naomi. And we have come to the end of our time here this morning. I want to thank everyone who has shared. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Carol C., could you read for us, please, from a vision for you? Star one to Carol. Yes, this is Carol C. Can you hear me? Sure can. Okay, this is Carol C. from Tennessee. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, and I thank you all for your service and for being on the line. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you than to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own home is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. 